A note of warning, this podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast for the week of April 5th, 2019. I'm Billy Jensen. I'm Owen Michael. This week we have a 71-year-old psychiatrist who was found beaten to death in a car trunk in the desert outside of Las Vegas, and a pregnant 25-year-old model is arrested. College student out on the town calls for an Uber, gets into the wrong car with tragic consequences. But first, there's a flurry of activity around the Timothy Pitson case out of Illinois this week. What's going on, Owen? Well, a 23 year old Ohio man went to authorities in Kentucky on Wednesday morning, claiming to be 14 year old. He claimed to be 14 years old. He claimed to be missing boy Timothy Pitson. Uh, who was abducted by his mother in the Chicago suburb of Aurora in 2011 at uh, six years old. This imposter claimed he had been kidnapped and held for the past seven years. He said he was held at a red roof inn by two large muscular bodybuilder type men. He said he ran across a bridge over the Ohio River from Cincinnati into Newport, Kentucky. He approached people on the street seeking help. Someone called police to report him, uh, saying, quote, he didn't seem like he belonged there. This man told police that he was Timothy Pitson and gave them Timmy's date of birth. So witnesses reported this person appeared to be shaken, fearful, and roughed up with bruises on his face. And there was a grainy photograph circulating in the press that showed a male figure in a uh, army fatigue type jacket with a red hood sweatshirt underneath. So detectives from Aurora traveled immediately to the Ohio-Kentucky border to investigate with assistance from the local authorities and with assistance from the FBI. So the FBI announced, you know, the FBI took the kid's DNA Mm -hmm. or the man's DNA. They turned it around pretty quick. Turned it around very quickly, and they confirmed that this person was not Timothy Pitson. The imposter was identified as Brian Michael Rena from Medina, Ohio, and it's unclear if he's going to face any charges because of this hoax. Uh, what do you think about that? You think uh, it probably will it's a sort of high profile and you know there's actually a movie called The Imposter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody has ever watched it or not, but it was a um, an individual. What was his name? Hang on one second. Is Let me see here. Based on a it was based on a true story. Uh-huh. Yeah, and a, um, a kid named Nicholas Barclay had been had gone missing, and a a man from France said that I was that kid. You remember that? I do remember yeah. the story. I remember the case. Yeah. That I think bizarre. his name was uh, Borden. And, and he, that's right. And wasn't he a professional sort of uh, con kind con of? Guy? Yeah, exactly. Right. He had this sort of childlike quality to him and he made up this entire story. And as soon as I heard this and saw and heard how old the guy was, I was like, this is, this is that, this is the same. The same uh, I, I want to say that there's a law and order episode that uh, was sort of Probably. loosely based yeah. on this thing. But uh, anyway, to get more into the, into the missing kid, uh, Timothy Pitson was six years old when his mother, Amy Fry Pitson checked him out of school on the morning of May 11th in 2011. She was claiming there was a family emergency. Timothy's father, James Pitson, went to pick up his son from kindergarten later that day and was informed by school staff the boy had been signed out at about 8.30 that morning by his estranged wife. James tried to contact Amy Pitson, but his calls went to voicemail. He called her mother but couldn't reach Amy. By the next morning, he called police to report Amy and Timothy missing. A day after that, 
Amy contacts her mother to tell her that they are fine, that she, quotes, just needs some time to figure things out. She also claimed, or she, excuse me, she also called James's brother, who heard a boy playing in the background. She, she told James's br- brother, quote, Timothy is fine. Timothy belongs to me. Timothy and I will be fine. Timothy is safe, uh, according to the uncle. So three days after she took the boy, police tell James Pitson that they found Amy Pitson dead from a suicide in a hotel room in Rockford, Illinois, which is about an hour north of Aurora. But the boy was not with her. Police concluded that Amy had taken Timothy to the Brookfield Zoo just outside of Chicago, then went farther north to a water resort in Gurney, then up to Wisconsin Dells, to a, a, uh, which is a theme park entertainment center popular with Chicago and Milwaukee tourists. Timothy was seen there playing, happy, no distress, following his mom around. And we both immediately thought of the story of Armand's uh, Andresian, who took his five-year-old son to Disneyland and right before he killed him, despite his, his ex-wife and his bitter divorce. Yeah, Armand Andresian was in a, in a custody battle with his wife. Um, he was supposed to meet his wife to exchange the kid. He didn't show up. He took his kid to Disneyland. They went around. He took him around to Southern California. Then he essentially is accused of strangling his kid and leaving him up near uh, in outside of Santa Barbara. And then he went. He, he, then he went to Las Vegas and party for a couple of weeks while police retraced the steps. And now he's uh, he's actually serving time now. Yeah. He's been convicted of that. So Amy. It's sort of a last. It, it's last, a last sort know. of. All right, we're going to do a last thing. So that's yeah. that's what you fear with this is that did she did she kill this kid? Even though she's saying he's with somebody and he and he's safe, mm-hmm. you know, because Amy was next seen on surveillance camera at a supermarket in Rockford, which is a suburb uh, northwest of Chicago, mm-hmm. without the boy. And a suicide note was found in the hotel room where Amy was found dead. She reportedly apologized for this mess that she created and said ominously. Timothy was safe with people who loved him, and he would never be found. And that, coupled with what the last, you know, things that she did with him, I don't have a good feeling about that case, Uh, just because of the fact that, you know, she was sort of giving him his last hurrah. Was Mm -hmm. it a last hurrah before he gave him to somebody, or was it a last hurrah before he killed them? She killed him. She, I'm sorry. And, you know, um, we've seen... The first one. We haven't seen the second one. We've seen it happen before where it's the sort of last, hey, let's have a lot of fun, and then I'm going to end your life. Uh, taking, I'm taking you with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ooh, exactly. Uh, James is, uh, the, Timothy's father, James, uh, is on record as saying he believes the kid is still alive, and, and he's hopeful that the, so. the teenager yeah. was is going to figure out essentially what happened to him, which is why this sort of hoax, whether it's intentional or not, is is extra tough on the family because it sort of plays right into that narrative. Um, more on that. Uh, Amy Pitson had, had sent a letter to her mother prior to her suicide. She said, uh, I've taken him somewhere safe. He will be well cared for. And he says that he loves you. Please know that there's nothing you could have said or done that would have changed my mind. So uh, this also goes to the thing, like, why would you do all this if you were going to take the kid with you yeah. into the afterlife or whatever. Uh, you know, she made indications that uh, she'd taken care of this kid and given him to someone else. Timothy's father, James, as, a, as I said, uh, he's, he's spoken to psychologists. They have the opinion that if Amy was going to take Timothy's life, she would have killed him first by her side before committing her a suicide herself. But as we say, Timothy was nowhere to be found. Um, other clues in this immediate investigation looking for the kid. Investigators said Amy's SUV uh, 
showed that she had driven on an unpaved road recently with leaves and grass under the rear bumper. Uh-huh. Her cell phone was found on a roadside and turned in to police, so it had been tossed out somehow. But no clues came from it, apparently. And uh, dried blood was found in the SUV, but the family says Timothy had had a nosebleed in the vehicle months beforehand, which, uh, take uh-huh. it as you will. James Pitson, as we said, has not given up hope. He believes Timothy is still alive and will be found, or the big boy will figure out what happened. Uh, as we say, the recent turn of events is uh, pretty painful, in that, especially in that context. Yeah. You know, we got a, a text message from one of our uh, uh, former colleagues saying, you know, holy, mm-hmm. this, is, this, mm-hmm. this is crazy. When when the news first broke and there was hope, but then yeah. the hope got crashed down. And kudos to the FBI for, for, for breaking it down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think they knew that just based on what the way this guy looked like, that this was no, he, he looked We had old. a lot of commenters about this. I mean, uh, you can go to truecrimedaily.com and take a look at the, at the guy. He's, uh, we have, so far we have the photo of, it was taken, he's in this army fatigue jacket and he's got a red hoodie on and he kind of looks like, a, you know, he looks like he could be an adolescent, uh, kind of a little bit, maybe a little bit older than that. He does have a booking photo in the past uh, where he's, got full beard yeah full beard but he's got he's got scruff and all the Mm -hmm. rest and he looks Uh, a lot older there yeah speaking speaking to which but as we know a beard adds 10 years so i look so you look 76 now and i look 46 it's all part of the uh the 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 cultivated image okay so the person who claimed to be timothy pitson was later identified as brian michael rena of medina ohio and he has a history of making false reports right and we've seen this, maybe we saw this with the John Bonet case where the guys came out and claimed that he was, oh, yeah. remember that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. That was creepy. That was very creepy. And there was a lot more creepiness to that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, Fox 8 in Cleveland spoke to Rena's brother who said Rena has mental health issues. Police in Brunswick Township confirmed to the station that Brian Rena was just released from prison in March. Mm-hmm. He had March been sent- 7th. He had been sentenced to 18 months in prison. A case in which he was accused of throwing a wrecker of a party at a model home in the suburb of Cleveland, causing more than $1,000 damage, and he reportedly served 14 months. Rena apparently told neighbors he had purchased the $400,000 home and was planning on um, to throw a big party. He has a history of passing bad checks. In addition, he was twice convicted of making false alarms involving a law enforcement agency. So let's hope that... He is a he needs to get help, obviously, but also, you know, he needs to be punished because you can't I mean, what he put this family through and what he put other families through, too, because it could it could gum up the works in in all sorts of things. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's strange because he knew the details of like, you know, we haven't necessarily in our own coverage of the story. I don't know when his birthday is. Uh Um, So this guy went and looked up the kid's birthday and and apparently the uh, I believe it was an aunt that talked to him and answered a couple of specific questions that, you know, maybe weren't impossible for anybody else to know, but that Timothy would have known and that this guy answered correctly. So that's why they had hope, even though he appears to be sort of, uh, you know, maybe a little old. He knows some specific information about the boy. So that kind of led to this. Um, So there, even though this guy supposedly has mental health issues, apparently there's some ill intent here and and who knows, we'll we'll stand by and have more details on that as as this case progresses. So there, you know, this was a a crazy week in true crime because you had this, you had the uh, one thing that we're not actually going to cover, but we had the uh, press conference about Maura Murray and whether they might have, they dug up the basement and they didn't find anything. So right right after that, then you had Maura Murray's um, 
um, uh, ex-boyfriend being uh, having sexual assault charges against him. Mm-hmm. And th- but I think the biggest story out of all this, because it affects so many people, because so many people use these ride sharing apps, is the story of Samantha Josephson out of South Carolina. So. Mm-hmm. Samantha was a 21-year-old senior at the University of South Carolina. She was out late on Thursday night in the Five Points area of Columbia and at some point got separated from her roommates. At 2 a.m. on um, uh, Friday, March 29th, she orders an Uber. A black Chevy Impala comes by and she thinks it's her ride and she gets in. And 14 hours later, hunters found her body in a field about 60 miles away she was about 40 feet from a dirt road, and about at, um, they found it at 4 p.m. on Friday. A coroner's report said that Samantha died from multiple sharp force injuries. The coroner said she had received several injuries from an unspecified sharp object on her head, neck, face, upper body, leg, and foot. Earlier that day, her roommates uh, were worried that they hadn't heard from her yet, uh, so they called police about 1.30 p.m. to report her missing. Police began searching for that suspect vehicle, and uh, several hours later, late to about 3 a.m. on Saturday morning, so that would have been Friday night, going into Saturday morning, 3 a.m., a Columbia police officer spotted the same Impala and pulled it over. It was in the same Five Points neighborhood where Samantha was abducted. Um, The driver was asked to get out of the car. He did, and then he ran, but uh, he was quickly apprehended. They ran him down and caught him. The driver was identified as 25, excuse me, 24-year-old Nathaniel David Ruland. He was arrested on charges of murder and kidnapping. He's uh, in custody. He's scheduled to appear in court on April 22nd, so it's a couple weeks away. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, he was he was trolling the same area again. You know, he was at 3 a.m. driving in the same area hoping to get another victim. Allegedly. In the Impala, police found Samantha Josephson's, Josephson's blood in the car's passenger side and in the trunk. Samantha's cell phone was found in the passenger compartment. A container of liquid bleach, germ wipes, and window cleaner were also found in the car. Kind the, of a sloppy cleanup. Yeah. The Columbia chief of police said the Impala's safety, child safety locks were activated. And uh, surveillance video from a nearby business shows Samantha getting into the back seat of the passenger side of the car. At a vigil for, for Samantha this week, Samantha's boyfriend said he was on the phone with her after she got into the Impala. And this is, I, I can't imagine the, the feeling of helplessness that he had because, you know, he said, I was on the phone tracking her to make sure she got home safely and immediately knew there was that something was wrong. Unfortunately, I was two and a half hours away. I would do anything to go back. Because the child safety locks were, were clipped, uh, you know, as you can do that when you open the door and it's on the, uh, the inside of the door, uh, she couldn't get out. I have those on my own car for, uh, for you know, that's a standard issue type of a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you're trying to unlock it physically, you can't because, you know, the technology these days is yeah. uh, it's a true child safety. The door, well, the door has to be open in order for you to unlock it because it's on the inside. So, yeah, she was literally like trapped yeah. in there uh, when this happened. And it's, it's awful. She was uh, Samantha Josephson was due to graduate in May. She was planning to go to law school in the fall. Her funeral was held Wednesday in New Jersey, where she was from. Uh, in the aftermath, Samantha's family has called for improvements to safeguards by rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft, but also they're urging passengers to be extra careful when taking rides, which is yeah. an ongoing. Yeah, there's actually a change.org petition launched by one of Samantha's classmates, which has gotten about 50,000 signatures as of last night, mm-hmm. appealing for Q- QR codes for Uber, uh, Uber and Lyft drivers. So QR, which is quick response codes, those little boxes made up of black and white pixel squares. Mm-hmm sort of like a barcode, and they're easily scannable by cell phones. What they want to do 
is have every Uber and Lyft have a QR code on their um, uh, you know, passenger side mm-hmm. um, so back. Right up to so it. you walk right up to it, you put your phone there, and mm-hmm. it would say, yeah, this is your ride. Mm-hmm. Also, um, in, in the immediate, you know, that's, we'll see if that happens. In the immediate future, the hashtag What's My Name campaign is gaining traction on social media. Riders are encouraged to ask the rideshare driver What's My Name before getting into the vehicle. Mm-hmm. That information is provided when you order through a rideshare app. So you should see the guy's name. I always check the um, the uh, the license plate number. You could, you know, uh, the thing is, uh, all of those things are, are are good, especially. So you get your 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 information from the app. It has the the license plate. It has the, uh, usually has a little thumbnail picture of the driver, and it shows what kind of car it is. The common thing that I hear from friends and, and people that I know uh, is that I don't know what a Chevy Cruze looks mm-hmm. like, or I don't know the difference between an Odyssey and, yeah. a, and a whatever. So this is yet another safeguard, which is a good thing. I mean, you know, some yeah. of these new cars can sort of all look the same, but uh, it's just another step that, you know, there are enough Now, I always, I always check the license should be plate. safe. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and that could be tough after a night of drinking or something and you're exactly. out and you're waiting for your car and it looks like your car and somebody pulls up and, you know, it's... Yeah, the surveillance video itself, it, uh, she was not hesitant to. She sort of almost skips to the to the car. She's mm-hmm. quite uh, certain that this is the thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a cautious. Yeah. So Uber urges car. riders to match the license plate number provided through the app and also match the make and model of the car, which is you know that's that's tough to do. I would mm-hmm. say just go for the license plate number and compare the driver's photo with the actual driver. Again, what's my name? What's my name? Yeah. You know it's what I mean. Simple thing. You know, yeah. and I've had nothing but pleasant uh, rides in Uber and Lyft myself. But I hear horror stories, and you know, uh, it's worth taking that step. You're not being rude. You're you're, you're not being you're, rude. You're no. for it, and you know, the, yeah. the, the, the alternative can be uh, could be terrible. Exactly. So uh, next up, we have uh, a case out of Las Vegas. Twenty-five-year-old Las Vegas woman was arrested last week in connection to the homicide of a seventy-one-year-old doctor who was found uh, in a car trunk in the Nevada desert, dead. Thomas Burchard. He was a child psychiatrist who lived and worked in Salinas, California, which is about an hour and a half down the coast from San Francisco, a nice town on the coast. The morning of March 7th, a man driving with his kids near Lake Mead, uh, just about 20 miles east of Las Vegas, Nevada, noticed a parked car with a broken window and reported it to police. Police showed up to investigate. They performed an inventory check on the car. They were going through uh, various compartments and, and found Thomas Burchard in the trunk. He had been bludgeoned to death with uh, multiple blunt force injuries to his head. Blood was spattered all over the seats, and uh, there were uh, it looked like there were attempts to clean uh, clean things up with uh, towels and, and paper towels and things like that. Uh, the Clark County coroner immediately ruled the death as a ho- as a homicide. Excuse me. So Las Vegas Metro Police said Kelsey Nicole Turner, a 25-year-old model, was involved, and they began searching for her, for her with the help of FBI and police in Stockton, California, about 80 miles east of San Francisco. She was arrested on March 21st, and her four-year-old son was with her when she was arrested, which is never, never, mm-hmm. never good. The 71-year-old Burchard had been paying Turner's rent in Salinas for about a year at $3,200 per month, according to the landlord who talked to the USA Today. The landlord said Burchard told him he was done paying the rent last fall. So I don't know. Potentially, this could have been some sort of sugar issue. 
Kelsey Turner was living at the home with her two children and her mother. They were evicted from the residence about three months after Bertrand stopped paying. Turner moved to a house in Las Vegas in December. At the residence in Salinas, where Bertrand was paying Turner's rent, a neighbor told KCBW that there were parties and disturbances at the home. Police were called on a few occasions. Turner's mother said Kelsey and Thomas Bertrand had known each other for a few years. Or for years, actually. Excuse me. That's right. Uh, Bertrand's longtime girlfriend has been uh, interviewed by uh, various uh, newspapers and TV outlets. Uh, she said uh, she reported him missing days before he was found dead. She did say, uh, Thomas Bertrand's girlfriend did say that she knew about Kelsey Turner and the lease. Uh, she's quoted as saying, he was always helping people, anybody with a sad story. Some people took advantage of that. Uh, the girlfriend, uh, was a long time girlfriend. I think, it, I think I read that they were together for 17 years or 14 years. It was, a, it was a long time. She said, uh, about six other women were getting money from Burchard as well. Huh. The girlfriend said Burchard had given Turner, this Kelsey Turner who was arrested, uh, he had given her about $300,000 over the years, wow. uh, according to the Washington Post. Um, this girlfriend said that Kelsey Turner is quote, as evil as Charles Manson. So Burchard's girlfriend said that uh, he had flown to Vegas to visit Turner uh, earlier this month or earlier in March. He was prepare he was preparing to return, but she said she received strange text messages from him on March second. But his phone was off when she tried to call him. And the USA Today reports that in 2001 divorce filings, Tom and Burchard's ex-wife said he had sent thousands of dollars to women he met online. In the filings, Burchard said he frequently gave needy people money to help with rent and expenses. And his ex-wife said his relationships were, quote, very inappropriate. So this does look like a sugar daddy situation. He's, uh, you know, spreading a lot of money around. And uh, yeah. he's a 71-year-old man. Mm-hmm. There's the kindness of your heart. Maybe you're more inclined to, you know, to go for help out younger women yeah. versus other people. It's unclear. But she also said that, and this is, this is key, mm-hmm. Tom was a big guy, almost six foot, 250 pounds. I don't think one woman could get him into the trunk of the car. That's a good point. Um, so Kelsey Turner faces a murder charge in Clark County, Nevada, with a deadly weapon enhancement. Also, KTNV reports this week that Turner is pregnant. She's still being held in California. They were trying to extradite her to Nevada, but uh, the pregnancy thing, this is sort of the latest development that just came out this week, which complicates things. And, uh, yeah, more to come. Uh, this, is a, this is an interesting story. More, more to come on that one. But here's the – all right, so we've got – some very dark stories. This was, like I said, it was a crazy, crazy mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. for true crime. But we're going to end it in the comments. Once again, our Facebook page is the biggest and most active true crime Facebook page true in the world, Daily. True Crime Daily. So um, yesterday there was a story that police arrested a driver who stole a truck filled with cookie dough mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Troopers chased the truck and eventually used road spikes to stop the truck. This is like a semi-truck. This, this is, is a big truck filled with a big truck. Is, truck, is a big with, uh, truck. Uh, yeah. And exactly. the fact that they had to use spike strips to, yes. to slow this thing down. Uh, All right. It was committed. And um, we had a lot of people that were a lot of uh, gifts, and I will say gifts and not gifs. Jill F. said, don't blame them. Lisa M. said, must be a stoner. Robert B. said, was his wife pregnant? LaShondra B. said, I'm just glad it's not. Wait, let me double check. Okay, I'm glad it's not Florida. (laughs) This is Kansas, by the way. Yes, this was in Kansas. Kansas. Um, Melissa W. says, I'm not saying it's right. I just understand. Mm -hmm. And there was, of course, a lot of gifts of one of my favorite characters in the history of television, Cookie Monster.
Uh, makes sense. Um, you spent some a good amount of time in Kansas. I did. I went to the University of Kansas for graduate school. I also played for the University of Kansas hockey team. Which is not too far uh, outside of Kansas City, but in between... Yes. It's a lot of, lot of desolate roadway. Lawrence, Kansas, there's a lot of desolate roadway. So, Beautiful stars. Yeah, uh, yeah, gorgeous night. part yes. of the country. But uh, yeah. I can't imagine that, you know, maybe this guy is thinking, if I just make it to the border to Missouri, then if I can get over that state line, then uh, That was I'm, I'm bloody Kansas. That was the big, uh, there was a lot of strife during the Civil War, so maybe they would have given him protection because Missouri was the bad people. He came offering, was the good he came people, offering so. goods. So again, check out our content on YouTube and Facebook and TrueCrimeDaily.com. And don't forget to download our weekly podcast on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Spotify, or Google Play. And also, we have a new new segment. Now, we just read you the comments. We want to hear them in your voice. If you do have comments or questions about the show, we would love to hear from you. Call us up. You can leave us a message at 888-548-9758. Be advised your recording may be used on the air in any of our future podcasts. Don't be shy. The number is 888-548-9758. Give us a call. Tell us what you think or, uh, you know, leave us a good comment and uh, and we listen to all of them. And uh, And we're going to. Yes, exactly. That's the point. If you don't want to type out, if you're so upset about a story, but you don't want to type it out, you just want to want to speak it and uh, show us, you know, there's a lot of nuances that don't come through in texts. Uh, give us a call and you might end up on the podcast so until next week this is true crime daily the podcast reminding you don't do crimes see you next week